one is tempted to say, G'day mate, given that January 26, 2022 is Australia Day, but that would be a cheap trick to which I will not surrender. I could celebrate National Peanut Brittle Day, but I suspect that may not really exist. Or perhaps National Spouses Day is more appropriate, given my dedication to creating Charlottesville Community Engagement, a program that seeks to bring you information for better or worse. I am Sean Tubbs, and let's get started. On today's show, area contractors may soon have a cheaper option to dispose of some construction material. UVA and Augusta Health both plea for the public to get vaccinated. Albemarle County will pay property owners to lease people who hold housing vouchers, and the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality is investigating a petroleum leak in Charlottesville. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, Code for Charlottesville is seeking volunteers with tech, data, design, and research skills to work on community service projects. Founded in September of 2019, Code for Charlottesville has worked on projects such as an expungement project with the Legal Aid Justice Center, a map of Charlottesville streetlights, and the Charlottesville Housing Hub. Visit codeforseville.org to learn more about those projects and how you can get involved. The leaders of major hospitals in both the Shenandoah Valley and the Charlottesville area are pleading with unvaccinated members of the community to get a dose in order to help reduce the strain on healthcare workers. Wendy Horton is the CEO of the UVA Health System. Uh, for the past several weeks, we've routinely had more than 100 patients hospitalized with COVID. And this has really been the most we've seen at any point in the pandemic here at UVA. Horton said the majority of those hospitalized patients are unvaccinated. That's also the case at Augusta Health, which is losing people two years into the pandemic. Mary Mannix is the CEO at Augusta Health. We find that well over 80% of our inpatients are unvaccinated and 100% of our patients that are on ventilators are unvaccinated. So that kind of gives you a feel, uh, a feel for what's happening in the field. Horton said Augusta Health does not have as many patients in hospital as UVA because they took a different approach during Delta to treat as many people as possible through outpatient care. But she said the strain is real. Our staffing levels are very different with this surge, not only uh, because our staff are getting exhausted and many staff are deciding to pivot their careers and focus in different directions, but also with the high transmission of Omicron, we have staff out every day. The Omicron surge is showing signs of waning, with the seven-day average today down to 11,891 new cases a day, down from 18,782 two weeks ago. Hospitalizations are also down, but Horton says the strain on the system is still being felt. Even though it appears that we may soon be reaching the peak of Omicron, it's we know that it's going to take several weeks or even months before hospitalizations return to pre-Omicron levels. Vaccination shots per day have declined to a seven-day average of 10,488, a number that has declined sharply this month. While 68.7% of eligible Virginians are fully vaccinated, fewer have received a booster or third dose. In Albemarle County, for instance, 75.9% of the eligible population is fully vaccinated, but only 48.9% have gotten their additional shots. In Augusta, those numbers are 55.8% and 28.7% respectively. 
Mannix urges the public to take advantage of vaccines that are available for free. We really need the community, as Wendy said a few moments ago, to um, step up and, and help us. And that is continuing to follow what science has proven is, is efficacious, and that is social distancing, wearing our masks, and most importantly, getting vaccinated. Meanwhile, policy in the Commonwealth of Virginia continues to shift. The acting commissioner of the Virginia Department of Health has announced an end to tracking and tracing of all cases in favor of tracking down major outbreaks. Here's a section from a press release. Public health staff will prioritize responding to COVID-19 clusters and outbreaks in long-term care facilities and other congregate settings, healthcare settings, and other high-risk settings, and will focus follow-up with individuals most at risk for negative health effects from COVID-19. BDH will continue to partner with K-12 schools on prevention strategies to reduce spread in schools so schools can remain open and safe. The VDH also continues to stress that vaccination is the key to continuing the fight against the pandemic. Albemarle County is offering a one-time bonus to property owners to take on tenants whose rent would be subsidized through the Housing Choice Voucher Program. Here's a section from the press release for the Bonus Bucks Program. The Albemarle County of Housing currently has between 15 to 20 clients with vouchers who will be seeking apartments starting February 1st. Each of those clients has 90 days from receipt of the voucher to find a place to live. One of the difficulties has been finding people who are willing to take on tenants. The $24,000 in funding comes from the American Rescue Plan Act. This action helps implement a section of the recently adopted Housing Albemarle Plan. Notably, Strategy 9B, which is to expand communities' knowledge of rights and responsibilities under the Virginia Landlord and Tenant Act. The Virginia Department of Environmental Quality is investigating a petroleum seep that is affecting an unnamed tributary of Morse Creek, according to the city of Charlottesville. Here's a press release that went out this morning. The suspected responsible party, Charlottesville Tire and Auto, is working with DEQ to mitigate the impact to the tributary. A subsurface investigation to confirm the source of the release is ongoing. Someone reported the information through DEQ's Pollution Response Program. This specific incident is known as a point source incident. Here's a section from the DEQ's incident report. The Charlottesville Fire Department observed a petroleum release to an unnamed tributary. This is the same area where petroleum fumes have been reported. DEQ observed petroleum seep discharging from the southwest stream bank. According to the report, absorbent devices called booms have been placed in the area to try to remove the petroleum. On Monday, the U.S. Supreme Court agreed to take on a case that could remove federal protections over wetlands across the nation. The court issued a writ of certiori in the case of Sackett versus Environmental Protection Agency after the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled last September in favor of the agency's claim that it has jurisdiction over a wetland in Idaho. At issue is the scope of the phrase, Waters of the United States. The plaintiffs filled in a wetland to build a home, but the EPA ordered them to remove the fill and restore what was there. The Sacketts sued in 2008, and the Supreme Court will take up the matter in their term next October. You can learn more about the case on Ballotpedia. At that time, there will be at least one new justice. 
Justice Stephen Breyer announced today he will retire. He was appointed to the court in 1994 by President Bill Clinton. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's now time for today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out. It goes to Camp Albemarle, which has for 60 years been a wholesome, rural, rustic, and restful site for youth activities, church groups, civic events, and occasional private programs. Located on 14 acres on the banks of the Mormons River near Free Union, Camp Albemarle continues as a legacy of being a civilian conservation corps project that sought to promote the importance of rural activities. Camp Albemarle seeks support for a plan to winterize the Hamner Lodge, a structure built in 1941 by the CCC and used by every fourth and fifth grade student in Charlottesville and Albemarle for the study of ecology for over 20 years. If this campaign is successful, Camp Albemarle could operate year-round. Consider your support by visiting campalbemarlevaorg slash donate. And thanks for considering and thanks for listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. But we're not done yet. Two more segments, kind of related, This week, the city of Charlottesville is picking up debris from the storm that hit Virginia on January 3rd, but this morning they announced there will be delays. Here's a section from the press release. The anticipated schedule shows completion of storm debris collection one day behind the original schedule, with Friday collection concluding on Monday, January 31st. This schedule is subject to change due to volume and the possibility of winter weather forecasted for the end of the week. Meanwhile, the deadline has passed for people to take debris directly to the Ivy Materials Utilization Center for free. Bill Moyer is the director of the Rivanna Solid Waste Authority. And I think through the program, we had over 1,100 vehicles from the city and the county bring about 400 tons of vegetative debris to the landfill. We grind it and make mulch and sell the mulch. Visit Rivanna.org to learn more about the Ivy Materials Utilization Center. Where do buildings go when they are demolished? In some cases, removed concrete can end up buried underground. In recent years, Albemarle County changed its rules to make it more difficult to do so. Now, the Rivanna Solid Waste Authority is considering using an unused portion of the Ivy landfill to accept some of the material. Philip McCaleps is the RSWA's solid waste manager. We've been approached uh, three times in the last about 12 months by some regional and local large construction firms, um, Faulkner Construction, Curtis Construction, and they've been looking to find a, a solution for disposing of clean fill from some large projects. First, a definition of clean fill. That refers to uncontaminated soil, bricks, dirt, concrete without extended rebar, asphalt, and other solid material that does not contain chemicals that can leach into groundwater. No roots, not grass, um, no organics, things like that. So uh, it's pretty inert material. Steps need to be taken to make sure the final resting place for the material has stormwater controls. Currently, the RWSA performs that work and accepts the materials at $10 a ton. Contractors have argued that's too high. And so they wanted to see if there was some way that 
if they did all the grading and the placement and the backfill and everything else, is there a way we could come up with a reduced fee? Under the new arrangement, the new cost for contractors would be $3.50 a ton. McCaleb said the space would last between five to 10 years based on the amount of construction going on and expected to go on in the area. He estimated this would bring in up to $1.4 million in revenue. To make it work, the fee schedule for the Rivanna Solid Waste Authority needs to be updated, and a public hearing will be held at their next meeting on March 22nd. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for January 26th, 2022. This is, of course, the latest episode. There will be one coming out tomorrow. There may or may not be one coming out on Friday. I'm not sure. I'm going on a trip tomorrow, and I'm hoping to get as many of these uh, produced in advance as possible. Uh, If not, uh, there will definitely be a week ahead coming out on Sunday. But as you guys know, there is so much going on each and every week, and I'm trying to get to as much of it as possible. And of course, hundreds of you are paying to help me do that. And I could always use more people. So if you can support this program, and I do understand that not everybody has the means to do that at this point, if you are able to, please go visit infoseville.com and click on the support the info tab. That'll give you a rundown of some of the ways that you can get involved. For instance, there's Patreon. That's how you can get those shout outs I keep talking about. There's also Substack and the company Ting will match your first contribution, which is fantastic because that's another source of revenue that keeps Town Crier Productions ready to go to help us all navigate these crazy times that we're in. Thank you very much for listening today. And as I said, I'll be back. Please stay safe, stay warm, stay hydrated, stay informed, and stay... I got nothing else for stay. I'm going to have to think of some new ways to end this every time. But of course, the tried and true one is thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.